Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. When we do our mailbags, the best place to get in questions, either at Hoffman Show on Twitter or at Logan underscore Paulson82 on Instagram. Uh, we have a huge mailbag episode uh, that is coming on Monday, so make sure you are subscribed to this here podcast feed to get that coming up on July 4th. You can celebrate with us by listening to us talk a lot of football. But it's been interesting uh, experiencing the joy. You know, Obviously, this is the first week of, of my radio show and taking the calls and getting the tweets and seeing how excited everybody was for Terry and... I think now that he's locked in with that question out of the way, people are like, okay, what are they, is this team going to be? And the answer is really good if you ask a lot of people around, people that have mm. seen Jahan Dotson play like yourself, people that like what they've seen from the running backs, people that like what they saw from Wentz and OTAs. But then you look at some of the outside previews that are starting to come out. Warren Sharp of Sharp Football, who is really, really smart and is actually going to join us or scheduled to join us podcasting world can get a little haywire he's scheduled to join us next thursday for a a good chat here on the pod um but he does rankings every single year of the skill position players so like wide receivers tight ends then a separate ranking for the backs quarterbacks He, he ranks everything in a book that he puts out as a preview every year and he was on the junkies earlier this week and and he did a good job, I think, of explaining where he's coming from, that he is trying to rank based off of some statistical production that's in the past, uh, trends that have emerged over the years. So like when he looks at a guy like Jahan Dotson, he's obviously trying to compare him through the lens of other rookie receivers in recent memory. Uh, it doesn't really necessarily account for how guys are going to be used. Um, so yeah. there, there's a lack of scheme that, that is affected uh, by all of this. But with all of those caveats, he sees the Commanders as having the 19th best skill position group in the league. That's so obviously that, below so who's average. Ahead who's ahead of uh, them? We, he hasn't put out the full list yet, oh, I but see. I mean, we can we can certainly imagine some that are. I think yeah, coming up sure. with 18 might be a little difficult. Uh, so that and, includes and I, everybody. That's backs, receivers, tight ends, the whole so thing. So receivers and tight ends, and then he's got them with the 15th best backs in the league. Okay. And as we started to go through some of the back groups yesterday, you're like, oh, no, they're pretty good. Oh, yeah, no, they are pretty yeah. good. And, and at least I think you wind up going, some of these numbers are lower than expected because there may be more talent in the league than you realize until all yeah. of a sudden you're in the middle of the season and you're like, wow, that team's good, that team's good, that team's got talent. But I, I think it's interesting to see the dichotomy between a guy in Warren Sharp, who I respect a ton, and having them at 19 versus I talk to you, who knows this team as well as anyone, and you're like, man, I think they could be you know, 
top 10 if everything goes great, maybe even yeah. better than that on offense. I just think that's that's an interesting trend starting to emerge, Logan Paulson. Yeah, so this is a really this is really cool. And I could talk about this for probably an hour. So like let reel me in if we get going here, okay? So what what I think is interesting is is there's a couple different ways to do it. I think the analytical model is awesome. I think it's great for football because it eliminates some of the guesswork, but it does leave something to be desired, right? And I think when you look at um like to say this is the nineteenth best skill group, I think I get where that's coming from, right? Obviously, Logan Thomas is coming off an injury. We've had our conversations about Terry. Is he a true number one? Like, where would you rank him in terms of receivers? You know, like, you can get him down in that 15 range. You can get him in the 10 range, depending on how you feel about him in the tape comparatively, removing some of the off-field advantages that he brings. Jahan hasn't played a down of football in the NFL. Like, as much as I like him in OTAs, he has not played a down of football. And he has some question marks in terms of size and physicality. I like his physicality. I liked it in college, but it's a different game, man. It's a different game in the NFL. And then Curtis Samuels has not played football for a year because of an adductor injury, and then he missed minicamp because of that. So even just that, you kind of say to yourself, that group has its warts just from that standpoint. Now, oftentimes when we're casting projections, we say to ourselves, well, Terry's pretty good, right? And he and we we mentioned one of his best strengths in terms of offensive production is his vertical speed, his ability just to run by people. He hasn't had a quarterback here in four years, five years, that can push the football down the field and let him utilize that to help him with his routes. Now Carson Wentz is here. How does that alchemy of those two players coming together affect this offense? Does it create more vertical space like we're anticipating? If it does, that benefits Terry. If, if, it, if, if Terry gets that kind of respect because of the vertical speed, it benefits Jahan, even if he's not as good as he looks right now in OTAs. I think he will be, but let's say he's not, that benefits him. But again, that is a logical leap to get there. You're kind of putting two and two together. And as we know, in terms of covering football, that leap doesn't always happen. You know, like just because this player is good and this player is good and their skill set seems to compromise each other, or complement each other, does not make them a good offense or a good team, right? Which is why OTAs and minicamp and training camp are so important, not only for the evaluation on our end, but also in terms of how those guys gel together. Like on paper, Terry to Terry and Carson seem like they get along great, but Carson has a history of kind of fixating on one guy. And that seems to be Jahan right now. So can he kind of branch out and trust more than one player within an offense, right? Logan Thomas, again, one of the best kind of rising tight ends two years ago, coming off an injury, like, he's not here. So it's John Bates, who I have a lot of respect for, but he's not Logan Thomas from a catching the football standpoint. And then you're projecting a guy like Cole Turner to play. So in terms of skill positions, I think it makes a lot of sense to have them that low. And in some ways, you could argue that they should be lower because we're, we are, you and me, I, we're only arguing for projection. We're arguing if this, then that. There's been no evidence, which is what a statistical analysis does. It takes pre-existing performance and applies it to future performance. And the pre-existing performance for this group, as we just talked about, is not great. So, again, I understand why you're there. And I understand why there's this discrepancy because we see, oh, this plus this equals great. But that's not always how it goes. And we we both know that. Hopefully the fans who listen to this know that as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think part of what Warren said that was really interesting, too, was exactly what you were just saying about Terry from the logistical two and two together, right? Like, he goes, I think Terry is one of the best receivers in the NFL whose high-end potential has been bottled up 
by the right. fact that he hasn't had a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field. And that is the inherent problem with statistical no- uh, models is that they can't capture what could happen. Yeah. Um, there are statistical models that can do things like when, once you input the right data of catchable balls, you know, you know, all these kind of different advanced statistics that require a human eye to assess in the first place, you know, in a, like what is defined as an inaccurate throw. You know, one of the other things Warren talked about with the junkies that was really fascinating was how bad Carson Wentz has been in short range passing in terms of his accuracy. But how do you define that? Is accuracy defined as a ball hitting receiver in stride? Is it merely complete incomplete? Because that can be affected by receivers. You know, you ever you play on a team that has got a receiver that drops the ball a ton. All yeah. of a sudden, you look like a really inaccurate quarterback, or, or maybe even they don't even go down as drops, but balls that that better NFL receivers would catch. Right. Like, and then, and, and, and that's the kind of thing that can't go into a model. And so I, I think that Warren like acknowledged all this stuff, which is why I'm really looking forward to having him on the podcast, yeah. is because he is a guy that. It, it leaves room for nuance and, and kind of is very good at explaining how he reaches the conclusions that he does. Yeah. But it was interesting hearing him answer the question and give all these caveats and say, well, this isn't accounted for. And I don't know about this and this could be good. And by the way, I have them 19. Yeah. And I think the other thing about that specifically is like Carson Wentz, that's something we've talked about. Even in my evaluation of him, he misses, like he's not going to miss your body but he's going to put you at the tips of your fingers in terms of throwing the football. Does that does that analogy make 100%. sense? 100%. Right? Yeah. I don't even think it's an analogy. I think it's just a description. Yeah, a description of him. And I think when you look at the – like I think Washington drafted skill position players to meet that deficiency in his game. Like one of the things about Terry we talked about is he catches the football probably better than A.J. Brown, probably better than C.D. Lamb, at least to my eye. It's not always the smoothest, but he catches the football. Jahan, yeah. one of the things everyone talked about him, you liked him, you didn't like him, is his catch radius, right? Cole Turner, you like him, you don't like him, everyone talked about his catch radius. It's something that they really were looking to kind of make sure was here to support Carson and that deficiency, right? So again, this kind of poses a really interesting philosophical question from a team building standpoint. Like, can you kind of amalgamate something to support this quarterback just by making sure you have the right personnel in place, having the right fit. And I think that's something that, again, a statistical model won't capture. But again, it's risky to do that because there's no hard evidence saying that, well, we get a whole bunch of guys who have great catch radiuses and Carson's production is going to go through the roof. Like That seems like it would make sense given, given his kind of accuracy issues and given his big arm, right? We'll get fast guys with big catch radiuses. Check, check, check. This should work. But in football, that's not always how that does work. And I think that's why this is such a fun this is such a fun conversation to have, in my opinion, because data says this, but like football math says something else. And football math is not real math. It doesn't always go one to one. And I think that's why it's so interesting. Because it's like and then you see then you go even a step farther back and you say, Well, Scott Turner this offseason has kind of changed how they're calling plays, more vertical passes, more deep kind of longer developing concepts. And Wentz does pretty good with that stuff. So maybe you do that more. And then maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay to ride a lot of variance in Carson Wentz's game. If he's 
launch the ball 50 yards down the field for an interception, we'll just treat that like a punt statistically. That shows up as an interception, but he's going to hit three out of four of those, three out of ten of those, and those are all going to be touchdowns. I think I did a breakdown of this uh, for Julie's show, and one of the things I found is big plays lead to touchdowns in the NFLs. So I'm talking 20-plus plays, runs, mm-hmm. passes, whatever it is, they lead to touchdowns. It's almost a one-to-one correlate with good teams. Obviously, you need to be good in the red zone. But it's almost a one-to-one correlate. So what if you just say, screw it. We're going to do what the Cincinnati Bengals did last year and just cultivate big plays. Again, that in a statistical model, that would make sense, right? If, yeah. if you've got 50, 50, 60% more big plays, the offense is going to be 50% more productive. But you're also riding the variance of interceptions. So that's something that he can't predict with his model, but it's something that I could easily forecast easily see here and make me really excited about the direction this offense is going. Yeah. Is he going to throw, is he going to throw more picks if that happens? Probably. But again, you're getting more touchdowns, so it's okay. Right. If that's a one-to-one ratio, it's yeah. not worth it. If it's a two or three to, or God, you know, four to one ratio, yeah. then sweet. Yeah. Like you swing take, for the fences. Right? You take that. You take yeah. that for sure. Um, also, we are getting dangerously close to my good friend Jane Coaston's idea of an all PI offense where you just throw the ball deep every play. <laughs> and like she, she likes it for college football. Uh, yeah. But in the NFL, it's a spot foul. It's an even better offense than the yeah. NFL if you can get away with it. Of course, the corner is a little bit better, but, you know, details. Who needs them? By the way, also, if football math is not real math, that's good because then I have a chance of doing it well. <laughs> that is true. Well, in, you talk about uh, an offense that's excellent for high school football. The PI offense is excellent in high school football. It's 100%. excellent. 100%. It's, it, that's the best way to do it. I could be an OC in college football. Hey, we're running four verts again. Yeah. Receivers are like, oh god, I don't want to. <laughs> like we got, we need, we need eight receivers that we can just rotate every other yeah. snap. Hey, just you guys run things. deep, then run to the sidelines. Run deep, run to the sidelines. Get ready for the next play. Absolutely. Um, hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, the other part of Warren's analysis that I thought was really interesting and I think might be a little bit surprising to folks is the offensive lines play or part in this because the problem that he would say based off of last year, and obviously this line is is different, but it's also different in that it lost Brandon Sheriff, so it lost its best player. So we'll get we'll get there, but the idea of longer developing stuff would not work because as while the some of the the data looked really good for the the commander's offensive line last year, it was in part because they got the ball out so quick. They had a short quarterback with uh, not a very good arm who was trying to get the ball out quick, and you know couldn't really see over the line, so everything had to be short or you know had to had to happen Correct. quickly with yeah. on some level predetermined even uh, based off of pre snap looks. So the numbers look good. They didn't give up a ton of pressures because the ball's out like that when you take out all the short stuff and you put in the plays were medium and and longer range throws they were bottom 10 in the nfl in terms of pressure percentage so can i guess big long wind up rehashing what warren said and obviously we'll talk about this with him next week but in your analysis of what you've seen in otas 
as much as you can possibly see this without pads, but looking also at the offseason tape you watched for Norwell and Turner and kind of understanding where all these guys fit, do you think they can afford to push the ball down the field? Forget from Carson's arm and, and some of the inaccuracies or whatever you know chemistry could develop. Can they protect to push the ball down the field like you're proposing? That's a really good question because one of the things that sticks out to me when I watched the film from last year when I watched OTAs is is that I, everyone says, everyone you talk to is like, oh, the offensive line is the strength of the team. And they're very good. and But in terms of like overall talent, I think there's... I think they're somewhat lacking there. I, I, you know, and I think, and that shows up on tape. Like I talked to Daniel Jeremiah at the combine, and he mentioned that, like, oh, you know, that group is, you know, I think you could upgrade there. And he said that on shows or whatever. So, and I don't disagree with him. I know in the run game, I think they could be more effective. In the pass game, I think they could be more effective. Um, and but what I will say is, like, when I was with Kyle here in Washington, statistically, at least on paper, individually, those groups were some of the. I don't say worst, but like not the best groups of offensive linemen. But Kyle was able to call games in order to put those guys in advantageous situations, down and in, down out, where they only had to win-win in a drop-back passing situation if, if he was on script and on schedule um, five times a game, which is excellent. So a lot of play pass, running game to set up the play pass, keepers, move the pocket, screens. So you limit their kind of I need to win now type of situations. And that can be done through play calling. So is it possible they get that done? Yes. And I think that that kind of leads to a question is like, how do you feel about Scott Turner and his ability to innovate? He's shown some nice stuff this offseason. You know, he's shown kind of an ability to push himself out of his comfort zone and get into some other elements of this offense, which his father kind of developed. But again, like, you know, Kyle, we've talked about, is one of the smartest dudes in football. Andy Reid is one of the smartest dudes in football. Sean McVay is one of the smartest dudes in football. Can he push himself to help kind of put his offensive line and the skill position guys in the best place place to be successful and not just call what he wants to call? And I think that, to me, that's a bigger question with regards to the offensive line is how does your coordinator insulate them? Because a bad coordinator puts them in high-stress situations all the time. A good one knows how to limit those risky situations as much as possible. Well, and this is also one of the, you know, kind of coming full circle. These are all interrelated issues. If you're Carson Wentz, you got to help your guy out too. Like if you want Scott yeah. to help you, you got to help your guy. You got to be accurate on these short to intermediate throws. Like if you're trying to stay on schedule with the seven yard slant, you better hit Terry between the one and the seven. One, because you need to get the seven yards. And two, if you do, there's a chance he slips a tackle and that, that seven yards becomes 70 with, with him, maybe with Jahan, maybe with Curtis, you know, those guys too. But you know, Terry's got that long speed, that 4-3 stuff, where I've seen it in, at the NFL, and you go back and watch his Ohio State highlights, and, and he certainly was able to do it in the Big Ten, where he takes something short, slips one guy, and then, you know, it's a foot race, and Terry McLaren's going to win almost every foot race he's in, and even at the NFL level. And so, if you're Carson, and you've been inaccurate in the past in that short game, like, I, I really hope that that gets cleaned up, but it's the kind of thing where we've talked before. He's 31. He is what he is, or sorry, yeah. he's what is he? 29. Uh, he's he's not a, a young player, right? right? He's not he's not a spring chicken. His mechanics are pretty well locked in. Of course, he can be coached. He's he's 29. He'll turn 30 later this season, but he is what he is to some level, and, and I just don't see a world in which that gets cleaned up. And, and the question then becomes. To 
again, wrap all this up, bring it full circle. Did they draft, sign, free agency, et cetera, players who can make up for that? And if so, what does this offense look like? And that's kind of the fun part of the projection is right. these are these are the questions where, okay, he's inaccurate. Let's bring in a huge catch radius guy like Jahan Dotson. If it plays out like we think, then we've gotten rid of that problem. Now our offense is on schedule. Now our coordinator right. can, can help our O-line out and we can get these shot plays. We can run the offense that we want to as opposed to I missed my slant on first and 10 or I missed my screen pass and, and took it out of timing, and now instead of getting eight yards, it's a loss of two. We're in second and 12, and the whole operation is botched. Yeah, and I think that's why – I think that's that's one of the reasons why I think I am maybe higher on the team than like national pundits, for example, is because I think that – I think they've done the right things to support Carson. I think the offense looks like it's going to support him. I think the skill position players are going to support him. I think Scott's going to support him. And I think Scott has done a nice job of showing some innovation that's going to support the O-line. I'm I'm obviously very optimistic about that to the tune of saying they're going to win 11 games as opposed to 8, but I do think those are that's a reasonable thing. Assuming that all of those kind of in those those boxes are ticked off, right? And I think that's a reasonable thing and we won't know for sure until we get to training camp. We won't know for sure until we get to week one. But I do think that the process... And this is something that I think a lot of fans have a hard time with. And this is something that like media people have a hard time with. The process was sound. right? The decisions they made, the acquisitions they had, it's sound. It's good decision making. The problem is, is that if it doesn't gel the way you need it to gel, then the process looks like, looks like, looks bad. Right? <laughs> and if it looks bad, then fans don't right. understand that level of nuance, right? And that's that's where it gets really tough for this team, and that's where the fans get upset. And if the fans get upset, then you know you're back kind of into the into the end of last year, where nothing was going well for the team, nothing was going well for the organization. Yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, that's it. That's all for this week's edition of Take Command. If you liked it, and you're not subscribed, what you waiting for? Now is a good as time or good of time as ever. Subscribe now. There you go. Just hit the button. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey app, wherever it is that you are listening. Uh, again, mailbag episode on Monday. It, it's really, really good. Uh, we know that because we recorded it already. And uh, I promise you, I'm not just just blowing smoke. It was really cool. We got into a bunch of different stuff. So you want really good football talk Monday. And then Warren Sharp is set to join us next Thursday as we pick back up after the holiday. Uh, for Logan, I'm Craig. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week on Take Command.